3: everybody and welcome back to another episode a very special edition, as we call it in the business of off the beat. I am your host as always Brian Baumgartner. Now for today's episode, we're doing something a little different. I have been seeing all of your amazing questions on my social media. so I wanted to take some time to answer your questions on today's drum roll, please. Today's episode, mailbag episode of Off the Beat. I love doing these because it gives me an opportunity to get to know you a little bit more and what, well, what you tell me you're interested in. I hope that you feel the same. We haven't done one of these since last year, but I'm excited to get back periodically. I will check in with you, the fans, and attempt to answer. Some of your questions about The Office, uh, the podcast, Off the Beat Sports, and my upcoming Chili Cookbook. Uh, You guys had some great questions. I'm very excited. So let's dive right in. But first, I want you to know this. We have a big announcement coming soon. Yes, we do. I thought we were going to talk about it today. We have to wait a little bit longer. But who knows Maybe I will be coming to a city near you this fall, if you catch my drift. So stay tuned for that very soon. But for now, uh, let's get to your questions.
1: Bubble and squeak,
4: I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every moment Left over from the night before.
3: So, as many of you know, I recently went to DunderCon, the first ever office fan convention in all of the land. Listen, I had a great time hanging out with, well, my office family for one, and two, meeting so many of you face to face. Uh, I had a lot of questions from many of you who were there, and I was really excited to talk about this event. So let's get right to them. Shoush96, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, asked, did you enjoy Dundercon? It was so nice meeting you there. By the way, Shoush, Uh, I enjoyed meeting you too, I'm sure. Listen, I had I had a blast we all did. I was so shocked and amazed by how many people, one, were there, how many people were were dressed up and participating in all the events, all of the vendors who were there. Creed played a concert at night there that was so fun, so exciting, and of course, me being able to hang out with so many fans, but also, um, let's just say, late at night, getting able to reconnect with many of my old friends, some of which I hadn't seen in a long, long time. So yes, I enjoyed it. And I hope that you did too. Rock Royalty 91 asked, what was your favorite moment at Dundercon? Now this one is easy for me. There was a boy, I'm going to say nine or 10 years old. And he, there was a costume contest there for people who dressed up this boy was dressed as me. He went, I mean, he went for, he shaved his head. Look, the the videos I'm sure are out there have gone viral. I've seen it myself. He's, he shaves his head. He's got on a perfect suit. He just nailed it with the chili pot. It was unbelievable. And so I will tell you, I was meeting people at uh, a part of the, convention hall. And I saw that they were doing the costume contest. And I looked up to this huge video board and I saw that they announced him and that he got a big applause. I guess they were doing it by applause. And I went, you know what? This guy needs my support. So I made my way through the convention center up onto the stage and stood behind him to give him a little support and to let everyone know who I thought should win the contest. He did, in fact, win. We were a little bit concerned, because he did shave the top of his head, that his parents had like, I don't I don't know what first prize was. I don't know if it would have been worth shaving your kid's head. We were concerned. The, the father assured me and everyone involved that this was his idea. He wanted to do it, and he was like, Dad, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And, uh, and asked his father to, to shave his head. So congratulations to you, my fine, very attractive young friend. I see big things for you in the future. Riley Gracer asked, will you do DunderCon again? There are discussions for a DunderCon happening in 2023. Look, if, if they build it, I will come. If you guys promise that you'll be there, and if there's an event that's anything, like what happened in New Jersey a few weeks ago, I'm in. I had just so much fun connecting, hearing stories from all of you about what the office means to you, and there was just so much joy. I think we've got a few things that have got to be worked out. I think the lines, people waited way too long in lines to talk to me. I, I think we've got to work that out. I know we had a, a panel discussion there. Some Many people mentioned that it was their favorite thing in the event. Uh, all of us up on stage answering questions. I think that should be longer. Uh, maybe the time just needs to be longer. We need more time to, to be able to meet people and to do fun things like the panels and be able to ask questions. Uh, on Saturday... The convention was over at six o'clock and I was, I was still there meeting people at eight 15 at night. So I, you know, it was a long, long day, but I was not going to leave until, until everyone who wanted to say hi had the opportunity to say hi. So yes, I would do it again. I, I hope that we iron some things out for the next time, but it was, it really was so much fun. And again, Creed's concert was well. In the words of Kevin, awesome. All right. A lot of you ask questions about off the beat, both producing, talking to new people, everything that goes on behind the scenes of the podcast. So I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about what we do here on a weekly basis. The Garrett Webb asked, how do you choose who you're going to interview? You know, Garrett, that is a great question. I, there are so many people that I have met, had the opportunity, the pleasure of meeting or working with briefly in the industry. And as I told Wendy Malik on the podcast, my truly my idea of doing this was about her because i you know, I had worked with her a couple of times. I admired her work, thought her career was so interesting. three shows, kind of groundbreaking shows all of which that ran six, seven seasons. So that was sort of my model. Like, okay, so Wendy I've worked with a few times. I want to talk to her because I find her interesting. And then there are obviously people that I've worked with a lot that I wanted to talk to, get to know a little more. Rob Riggle, Eric Stone Street, etc. And then there are people whose careers, they just interest me. Or I hear something about a story, about their story that I want to dive into A little bit deeper. This podcast for me really is about finding those moments in a person's life that helped shape them to who they are. So it's way less about where they have been delivered, but it really for me is about the journey. And if we can find clues or find answers to why a person's career went in a different direction, how it skyrocketed from one potentially tiny moment, those off the beat moments, that's really what I'm interested in. And so uh, we, I have friends, some people have asked to be on the podcast. I have asked, and we try to find people from a, a variety of different shows. If a show is coming back or someone who you might know from something else is starting a new show That's somebody that I want to talk to about maybe why they've made the decision to start a new show. But what I'm finding is, is that everyone is interesting. I know that's like so cliche, but I mean, the variety of conversations that I've been able to have with people about their career and everybody's career is so different. I'm loving doing this. I hope that you're enjoying listening just a fraction as much as I'm enjoying having these conversations. Emily Walker asks what the most surprising moments so far on off the beat. Well, I, I have a few that I've been asked about that I always said, but you know, I wanted to go to my team here and, and have you hear from, from them, some of their favorite moments that happened. So, you know, for me, I always go to Rob Riggle, and I knew that Rob Riggle was a Marine, and I knew that Rob Riggle was a comedian, an actor, an entertainer, and I, I guess I just had always assumed he was in the Marines for a few years, college-ish age, and then he moved on. But hearing his story of continuing to be a Marine for 23 years— From working as a Marine during the day and going to comedy clubs and classes at night because he wanted to pursue comedy so bad in New York City, I just, I loved knowing that. And Rob, I know Rob through work and through golf. I've spent more time with him than probably anybody else that I've talked to on Off the Beat. And I didn't know this story. And I think it's so inspiring, so interesting. It makes me love him even more and the commitment and the work that he put in to be where he is today. I just, I just loved it. So for me, that's very clearly one of my favorite moments. Uh, but many here on off the beat brought up many more that I endorse wholeheartedly. Uh, Diego talked about Kevin Roms episode and one of the moments that made him laugh the most, it was uh, Kevin and I worked together, just moose cock. That's all you do. It's so legendary, it just needs one word, moose cock. We worked on moose cock together, and he had learned that I had done the pilot of The Office, and he told me <laughs> he, how badly he felt for me that I had gotten on that show that was that was assured to go down in flames and be an absolute disaster and tarnish my name forever and ever, uh, a poor fool, he 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 described me. At, so hearing that from Kevin after knowing him for so many years that that was his first introduction to me was that was was amazing. I have to mention a story I, I don't think I've fully told. I told Tramel. Tillman, this a little bit, Trammell Tillman, obviously from Severance. I was 35,000 feet in the air when I watched the final episode that I had downloaded of Severance. And I just picked up my phone immediately when it ended and started emailing our team here saying, I want these guys on the show. And specifically, I want Trammell Tillman on the show because I felt like what he was doing, the work that he was doing there was so transformative and so different than anything I had seen done in television before. If you haven't watched Severance, you must know by now I'm a big fan. Check it out. Many similarities to The Office. So, our executive producer, Ling Lee, talked about having Tramell Tillman on the show and how much that meant to me. And, uh, and how special that was as someone really unknown. But being on a show that moved me, that made me feel so passionate, a really fun conversation with Trammell. Uh, Liz, Liz talked about Trammell and his reenacting bad boys and getting hit by a car when he was a kid. This, by the way, this is not something that you should do. You should not attempt to 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 act out a scene from a movie that's been very well choreographed I will tell you this story this is not my story to tell and I didn't tell it originally when I was talking to Trammell but um this happened to Steve Carell on 40 year old virgin he has to have told this story before I hope he's told this story before there was a scene and obviously we were shooting the office when 40 year old virgin came out and there was a scene where his character Andy gets motivated to ask Catherine Keener. I can't remember her character's name and he's going across the street to the eBay store and they have the cars choreographed so that they narrowly miss him. And he's just committed, focused and walking across the street. This would be like what Tremell would have acted out when he was a kid And Steve told us the story that he was walking across during a take and a car got really close to him and he felt it. He didn't look or flinch. He did what he was supposed to do and walked across the street and they called cut and he went back to the monitor, you know, where everybody was hanging out (laughs) to like, everything was fine. And he said, everyone was ashen. Everyone was like. Like, didn't know what to do or say. And he was like, What's going on? What happened? And apparently, a car had gotten through security, like, had (laughs) broken their way through where they had stopped the cars. And as he was walking across the street, the car that got the closest to him was not a car driven by a professional driver that had been choreographed, but a car that literally almost hit him because it was not supposed to be there. (laughs) Much like, well, me knocking over our camera guy in uh stress relief when the fake fire drill happened. Sometimes the the happy accidents stay in. Apparently that cut because it looked so real is in the movie 40-year-old virgin. So I hope Steve has told that story. I don't want to take his story or get anyone in trouble, but yes, Steve was almost hit while filming 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> and and again, Tremel, don't don't try to act that out. A lot of people talked about Eric Stone Street. Liz Hayes <laughs> was delighted by him talking about his dreams of being in the circus. But Ryan Zachary talked about Eric's reaction to hearing how Angela and I felt when he won the Emmy. Um, a really special moment for me as well. And it brought me back, and I think Eric back to that moment of winning. For him, as an actor who did guest spots on shows, tried to get on shows here and there, you know, after so many years, having a place to go every day as an actor, having a place to show up to and how much that meant to him, you know, it, it rings true for me as well. Having a place to go that, that dingy office of Dunder Mifflin, um, that reliability, that, yeah, that home. Uh, And how much just the physical space meant to him uh, reminded me of how much it meant to me. And uh, finally, Hannah also can't, can't not mention my conversation. uh, Finally, with Catherine Tate, Nellie Bertram on The Office, and her telling us that she got kicked out of convent school. she was a child, multiple schools because really what she wanted to be was an actor. Well, I never got kicked out of school, but I, let's just say I easily could have. And I wasn't, I wasn't out of convent school. Uh, Thank you to everyone here at off the beat for weighing in with so many specific examples from the episodes this year. And thank you of course, to not just these guests, but all of the guests that we've had here on Off The Beat for some truly amazing and memorable moments. Boo Cow's Kid Dreams 83 writes, Love Off The Beat, but you missed a great opportunity to name it B-Bombs World. (laughs) Those in before YouTube will get that reference. Anyway, love the show since I'm a fan of Dharma and Greg. This was about Jenna Elfman's episode and even loved Elfman's late appearance in can't hardly wait. You've been chatting it up with some very interesting people and some outside of your circles. Do you ever get a little nervous? Maybe put in a little extra research on the person and step up your game. Keep blessing us with those silky pipes and humor. Well, thank you. Kid dreams. 83. Um, I don't know that I get nervous, but yes, Jenna Elfman, that's a great example. I did not know Jenna Elfman at all. I thought that she was an interesting story because of her long career in comedy and rom-com movies and that her uh, becoming a part of the Walking Dead series uh, was interesting to me and and so i wanted to dive in a little bit more about her story and and where she is today i don't know that i get nervous but i definitely put in extra research i mean i have an amazing group of people who are working with me on off the beat most of the time they're doing all of the research and finding tidbits of information that now that they know me and know what interests me, that they're, they're diving in to an article written in 1962 that will give some tidbit of information that, that I will use. But yeah, I also go in as well before every conversation and look at all of the material that's assembled and decide sort of a central focus that I want to have a central through line, if you will, for how I want that conversation to go and what I want to talk about, at least with that person. And then whoever I'm talking to, whichever way it goes, it goes. So sometimes the best laid plans, right? I just want to make sure that I'm as prepared as I can be and have the knowledge, try to watch a few episodes if it's it's a show I'm not familiar with, to be able to have a a substantive conversation about that person's work and about what at least (laughs) the interwebs tell me interests them. But no, I I don't get nervous. But I think because we do put in so much time and effort to be prepared, that's why. Uh, It's been really fun for me to talk to people that I don't know, in addition to the people I do, obviously. But to talk to the people that I don't know or the people that I know a little bit or that I know a little socially, but I've never really seen them work, that's actually really, really fun for me.
4: The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin.
2: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
3: Eric Venables asked, did you take journalism classes? You are a fantastic interviewer. First of all, you're amazing and the smartest person that I've read from today. Thank you so much for the compliment. I did not take journalism classes. And in fact, I will tell you that when I started this podcasting journey on an oral history to the office, we went to Scranton and it was the first time that I had been in Scranton in, I believe, seven years. It had been seven years since I went back. And it was very cold. It was January, February of 2020, right before the pandemic. And we decide we're going to get up and we're going to, before anything else happens that day, we're just going to walk around the main square and hear from me and my feelings about being back in Scranton. I had the hardest time doing this. (laughs) I had the most difficult time. If there was a record of number of takes of shooting a scene in a television show, I might have exceeded that. This day, I don't know. It was like I needed to get it right. Part of my monologue was like, I'm not a journalist. I don't know why I'm here. Like I'm pretending to be a journalist, I guess. Like, But I don't want to pretend. I want to tell the story. Anyway, it was really difficult for me. And since then, and as we just discussed, now talking to so many different people, and doing the research, trying to get into people's experience and and really want to hear from them, I guess I'm doing a little bit more journalism work now than I ever thought that I would. So I guess what, what I'm saying is it's been a journey for me. And I think initially I felt very self-conscious. I felt very secure in the story that we were telling And the question that I had, which was why is the office so wildly popular, more popular now than it was when it was on, I was very secure in that. But referring to myself as a journalist, I was exceedingly uncomfortable with that. And I guess where I'm at now is I have the tremendous support of an incredible crew who makes it easy for me to ask questions that interest me. So if you asked me to to interview someone about something that I didn't know anything about and wasn't that interested in, I probably wouldn't know where to start because I don't have those journalism classes or credentials, but doing this, I love this and I, I very much appreciate the compliment. Paul G in the OC asks, what's on your bucket list? (sighs) Well, listen, over the last couple of years, I have been so lucky. I mean, my bucket list was being a New York Times bestselling author, and we, we did that. So that's, that, was, that was one on the bucket list that's crossed off. I think that, you know, I'm going to combine this with another question. The Kyle 22 asks, will we see Brian in a dramatic role showing off his acting chops? I don't know about acting chops, but I would say that's my bucket list. And that's what I would like to do. As many of you know, I started in the theater and really not in comedy. Comedy was not my focus. I did comedic roles, but for me, the roles that I would consistently get were very dark, very bad, very dramatic And for me, it was about trying to find a shred of humanity in characters that on the surface had no humanity. And so trying to find the complexity, what make people tick again, even if their actions are very bad, that was always something that was very interesting to me. So I'd say in terms of work, that's my bucket list right there, finding a role where I can play something very, very different than any of you have ever seen me play before. That's my bucket list. And the Kyle 22, I hope so, because that's what I want to do. J Pan Asian says, what's something you said yes to that your 10-year-old self wouldn't believe? Hmm. There's, (laughs) There's a lot. That my 10-year-old self wouldn't believe. I think that my experience in golf now would impress and would leave my 10-year-old self um, in disbelief. The, the people, the athletes, celebrities that I've had the opportunity to play golf with and now have become friends. I said yes and continue at the American Century Championship in Lake Tahoe specifically, to say yes to that invitation. It's been 15 years of me being there. It's the hardest thing that I do every year. Very difficult putting myself out there in that way. But the experiences that I have had there and other places, well, some of my favorite experiences, and, and I think would, would leave my 10-year-old self speechless. And a few questions now about chili. Andrew Montavon writes, how often do you make chili? Is it something Brian, not just Kevin, is known for? Uh, yes, I make chili. And I'm going to follow that up with another question as well. Amanda Wade XO, did you ever think you'd write two books? I do have a new book coming out. Seriously good chili cookbook. It's coming out September the 13th, just announced. I've been working on it for a long time. And yes, I do make chili, Andrew. I I didn't make chili before the office. I'll be clear about that. And And as I've been sort of reconstructing my chili journey, I think the first time I made chili was like for the gram, for the Instagram. I think I thought, oh, I'll make some chili. That'll be fun. And oh, and I'll post a photo. That would be fun. And I did that and people seemed to respond. And I thought, well, that's fun. I cook it often with my family or with other friends. I find it a communal experience. It is a way to experiment and change recipes. I love doing it. I love it. And I have my recipe has changed and evolved over the years. And now I think I make a damn good chili. I think I make a damn good chili. And that recipe is in Seriously Good Chili Cookbook, as is 176. There's 177 total uh, other recipes from chefs, real chefs, celebrity chefs, fans, some of you may have submitted recipes for the book. If they were accepted, congratulations. You're now a part of chili history and lore. And also what I'm very proud of is uh, partnering with the ICS, the International Chili Society, who puts on the World Championship Chili Cookoff. It's been going over 50 years. Guys, this is a legitimate thing that I had the opportunity to go to last year and actually judge. And it's hundreds of people who are there in this state fair park area thing, making chili like live on the spot and then giving samples for judges to taste and uh, patrons there could taste. It is an unbelievable experience. And also, again, very communal. There's such a, a community spirit around chili and talking about chili and tasting it. And I love it. So seriously, good chili cookbook. My second book coming out here, September 13th. I'm incredibly proud of it. We put a lot of work into it. Um, you can go to seriously good chili.com to pre-order today. If you're so inclined, uh, along those same lines, Allie K416 asks, is the recipe for Kevin's chili in there? Yes. Yes. So there's my chili recipe, which by the way, spoiler alert, far superior to Kevin's. I mean, let me be honest. Okay. Brian's recipe is far superior to Kevin's, but Kevin's is in there as is 175, see how I did that math, 175 other recipes from world champions, celebrity chefs, chefs, fans, restaurants I've been to. It's unbelievable. So please check it out and thank you so much for your support. Did my 10-year-old self think that I would have a chili cookbook? Absolutely not. Grob, grobo seven asks, Brian, what is your favorite golf course in the SoCal area? From Irvine, need Rex. Also, I'm a nine. Congratulations on the nine. Single digits. That was always my goal for a long, long period of time. Recommendations in the SoCal area. Well, look, if you're not in San Diego, it's very expensive. Torrey Pines is a great place uh, to visit once. It's like $40 if you live in San Diego, but if not, I know it's much more expensive, but that's a great place. Also though, the public course Coronado, if you haven't checked that out, Coronado is a little island off of downtown San Diego, right on the water, really beautiful, beautiful place to golf. I always highly recommend the home of my first and only hole-in-one Angeles National Golf Club. Um, very tough as a nine. Very, very tough, but very fair. And, and the, the home of, of my only hole-in-one there. That's what I would recommend. But so many great courses. If you haven't played the Griffith Park public golf courses, Wilson and Harding and all, all that, th- those are amazing going through the canyons of Griffith Park. Uh, so much great golf in Southern California. So get out there. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll see me in the OC here sometime as well. I know there's a lot of great golf courses there. And speaking of golf, boy, boy, howdy, did you have a lot of sports questions for me? Luckily, as always, I have some sports takes that I have been waiting to share with you. So here we go about sports and Off the Beat Sports, many more guests coming up here in the coming months. J.S. Torelli asks, how did you become a big UGA fan, University of Georgia, and what are you most looking forward to this season? I'm from Atlanta, so I went to SMU, hail to the red and the blue, the Mustangs of SMU. So obviously a big fan, love their resurgence. But yeah, this is about my childhood, like my child childhood like my young hood as a six, seven, 10, 12, 14 year old would go to Athens with friends a lot of weekends and, uh, watch the dogs between the hedges. Uh, so I've always been a university of Georgia football fan, love Athens. I think it's the greatest place in the country to watch college football. I know those in Knoxville and, tuscaloosa etc it's college station will disagree with me but um i love athens and the bulldogs and um, i've been generously offered by their athletic director to come to a game here hopefully this year i'm gonna make it back uh between the hedges down there in athens but that's how i became a big uga fan and i think well they won last year and everybody's putting Alabama at the top of the list. I think the dogs are going to be very, very good. And I'm excited to see what happens this year, by the way, not as hard a schedule as they had last year. So we'll see how it goes. Sereno asks what team in the NFL. Do you not like at all? Minus the NFC North teams saints fan, by the way, Um, who do I not like he's referring to the NFC North because as a Packers fan, he assumes I'm going to say the bears and the Vikings and the lions, which is fair. Um, I don't like the Seahawks. If you know football, you can probably figure that one out. And I don't like the 49ers. And I don't really think I need to explain it any further than that. And, And I'm not bitter or angry. I'm a very happy guy, but the 49ers just, and the Seahawks. Now you've got, you put me in a bad mood. Seahawks and the 49ers. Although the Seahawks will be great this year, won't they? Uh, Now I feel better. Adam Gilbertson asks, how do you think the Packers will look this coming season? Do you see a three-peat for 12, meaning a three-peat of the MVP award? I don't know. Here's what I think. I think they're going to be damn good. And here's really why. Uh, There's been a lot of conversation about their wide receivers. Uh, Losing Devontae Adams. Obviously, that's a lot of catches that other people are going to have to make up for. I think their defense is going to be damn good. I think it's going to be damn good. And look, let's be real honest. We were needing the Packers to score 45 points there for a few years to have a chance to win a a game against a good team. I don't think they're going to have to do that this year. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a different, I'm, I I foresee a little bit of a different style. I think they're going to keep people from scoring. And uh, I trust in 12. Oh, I need to put that on a t-shirt. Do you think that would sell? I trust in 12 to score enough points to beat teams with a great defense. So that's how I think 17 and zero? no, maybe not that, but they're going to be good. Trek Geek Bill says, Brian, what do you think of the Patriots this season with Mac in year two? Will they win the AFC East? Well, look, not to try to publicize the podcast that I'm already doing. Julian Edelman, who we just spoke to last week on the podcast, we talked quite a bit about the Patriots. I am confused. I didn't say this quite this strongly to Julian, but I'm confused with the offensive coordinator situation there, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me with a second year quarterback. I did hear some discussion over the last week since I spoke with Julian about uh, Belichick attempting to mm, to make the offense simpler, that the offense had got very complicated under Brady for so after so many years and the guys like Julian and others, who were familiar with the system, it worked, but it it was very difficult for new players to learn a complicated system. And so Belichick, uh, with Mac in year two, wanted to simplify things. I still think you need an offensive coordinator that's solely focused on calling plays and scheming for a team. And Josh McDaniels knew how to call plays and scheme. And I know Belichick is a genius, but uh, you can't deny what Josh McDaniels did there. And I think that loss is significant. So no, they don't win the AFC East. Stratoshuv says, name three NBA players that are huge office fans. Well, I'm a fan of the Lakers, so I've spent much more time around the Lakers than, well, than mostly anywhere else. Alex Caruso, who I just played golf with in Tahoe, he's a big fan of the office. So there's one. I think I was very, very proud of the fact that as a huge Kobe Bryant fan, that Kobe Bryant was a, a big fan of the office. It always made me very happy when he ha- I had the opportunity to go to games and to interact very briefly with him. I loved that he was a big fan of the office and the third, I mean, there's so many. I'm trying to think which which direction that I go. Ray Allen, who also plays in Tahoe, always great. I talked to uh, on the podcast Vince Carter, who I've known a long time, fans of The Office. Look, that's the thing that's so cool for me is playing golf with these celebrities that so many that I'm a fan of are fans of The Office as well. and And it's just... It's incredible to me. Again, 10-year-old self would be speechless for sure.
0: If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zinn Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zinn create the first ever nicotine pouch
2: Play
3: now. Before we wrap up this episode, we're gonna dive just a little deeper. That's what she said. Into some office questions you had. I gotta say, you asked some great ones. Some that I had never heard before. Brill knee says, how did Kevin end up golfing in job fair? Coincidence? Or did the writers know your skill? The writers knew my skill and they knew that I loved to golf. In fact, I'm really the only person on the office who golfs. So yeah, I guess that one was in part written for me. There were the happy accidents, like the basketball episode where that sort of happened while we were shooting. They were not aware that I could I could shoot the rock. They found out soon enough. But yes, job fair They knew I was a golfer. Ja Zobi asks, did you and the cast find yourself saying that's what she said a lot after slash during the show all the time? (laughs) That's what she said. Uh, Wyatt Gordon 92. What is the coolest thing about the office set? I don't know if this is the coolest thing or not, but yesterday, I was at access daily with Mario Lopez and uh, I did a little chili cooking coming soon to a television set near you. And they had these giant video screens with the office set on different screens. So like around the studio, they had this and I'm telling you, this just happened yesterday. I was looking at myself myself. Through the monitor, as the camera is shooting me, this is kind of complicated, stay with me. The camera is shooting me on this Access Daily set, but behind me is this incredible video monitor with the set of The Office on it. And through the lens, me looking at the monitor that the the camera was shooting, it looked like I was standing on the set. And I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. I was like, this is so good. This looks like I'm standing there back in the offices of Dunder Mifflin. And so I don't know if it's really the coolest thing about the set, but just seeing myself standing there, what what appeared to be on the set, gave me the warm and fuzzies. It was very cool. So um, it's not exactly what you asked. I I would say the lived-in factor, the fact that it was built to... Feel as though we had been there for years. That was the most, you know, is it the coolest thing? I don't know, but that was the most unique thing about that set. Nothing felt new. Everything felt old and lived in and therefore comfortable. Just Nick 24 asks, Is there a moment from The Office that randomly pops into your head on a regular basis? Many moments do. And it kind of goes in cycles where I won't think about something for a while. And then I'll think <laughs> I will think about it all the time. Like seeing a cat for example, I see cats people. There are cats that are around all the time. And just recently I saw a cat and I thought you can't eat cats, Kevin, you can't eat cats. And now like I'm just in this little cycle right now where anytime I see a cat, it just makes me i laugh. Cause I'm like, you can't eat cats. Why would you ever eat a cat? I don't know. Cause they're so cute, I guess. But, uh, yeah. So yes, things randomly pop into my head. Of course. Brittany Zapata says, what is your favorite Kevin related office fan theory that he's a genius? That's my favorite that he's a genius. I'm not saying that that is true or false, but that's my favorite that people believe that Kevin is, is secretly a genius. Max Lyons 2244 asks, is Kevin the father of Jan's baby? God, I hope so. Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe there's a reunion idea that Jan shows up with Astrid and Astrid looks like Kevin. She can call the boy from the office convention and find out how he put his costume together. But if Astrid looked like Kevin, genius. Oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. Should I, I might call Greg Daniels about that one. Russell 100 asks, did Kevin never want to hit on Angela since they sat so close all those years? Never. Gross. Ew. Russell, stay in your lane, my friend. Ew. Holly Ann Avila asks, you knew your character, Kevin, so well. I'm curious, what would he be up to in 2022? (sighs) I hope he's still back at that bar and just enjoying life away from Angela. I hope that's where he is. I hope they made it through the pandemic, you know, with flying colors and they're thriving there in Scranton, Pennsylvania. GP Seawald 2001 writes, in your unbiased opinion, which office character do you think should get a spinoff? There are so many. I mean, as we know now, if you listen to the podcast, Dwight almost had one or had one. It didn't ever uh, go to series. I think the accountants would be damn funny. Oscar, Angela, and Kevin, unbiasedly. I say that. Dwight. But, you know, I mean, any of the characters, you could have Meredith, Stanley in Florida, Michael Scott in Colorado, Jim and Pam in Austin. I mean, you really could do anything. And who knows? Maybe some someday something will happen. But I don't know. Those are a few ideas. I'm sure you all can come up with way better ideas than me. Steve MCT Photog writes, if You could have The Office be about another type of company. What would it be and why? Hmm. Well, I think that the interesting part of it was, at least in the original, Ricky Gervais was looking to try to find the most ordinary type of company in an industry that was dying, which gives some stakes, makes there be some stakes involved. Some steaks being not the kind you eat, but like there's a danger that we could be shut down and that this could all stop. But I think ultimately the business doesn't matter because it's really about the people and the relationships of the people within that business. Uh, Somewhat crucially, it's a smaller company that's not a mega conglomerate. I think that's crucial, but I don't think it really matters what they're selling, because it's not about that. It's about the people. Snoopy Valentine, do you think anyone will try to reboot The Office in like 20 years? Well, Snoopy Valentine, I don't know, but I'll answer the same way that I'll answer when anyone asks me this question. If Greg Daniels is involved, you can sign me up. You can sign me up. Magic Morg writes, will there be a live Office Reunion? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we'll get the whole gang back together. I think we will at some point for something. But will there be a live office reunion? I think, well, why don't you just stay tuned? Because maybe some info is coming. Thank you all so much for such amazing questions. I feel like I know you all a bit more. Hopefully you feel like you know me more as well. Hopefully it's positive and not negative. I want to see all of your faces very soon. The next Dundercon, a city near you perhaps, who knows? We'll talk about that a little bit later. As it is, thank you so much for all of your support here on the podcast. If you're interested in seriously good, chili cookbook, go to seriouslygoodchili.com. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to catch you on the flippity flop, but until then next week, a new episode of off the beat. I can't wait. Off the beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Liz Hayes, and Hannah Harris. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Sammy Katz. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend, Creed Bratton,